You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. The title of my message is Post, oh, sorry, excuse me, Past Traumatic Stuck Disorder. Past Traumatic Stuck Disorder. And it's, it's, in, no way, <clears throat> it's in no way trying to belittle or... Uh, you know, lighten the, the, the true impact of PTSD, <clears throat> of post-traumatic stress disorder. But I just, I, I'm going to show you something in the scriptures where there's a lot of people who have a past trauma that gets them stuck. The, 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 the life arrives in stages, but it is lived on levels. Life arrives in stages, but is lived on levels. So, so there are two forces going at the same time, and it's very, very easy for you to get stuck. I'd love to tell you that every 35-year-old I've met was 35 years old emotionally. Some ladies can say an amen. They dated somebody who was 35 biologically, according to his driver's license, but 15 emotionally. Because it's easy for us to get stuck. It's easy for us to get stuck. Let me, let me show you. Come with me in your Bibles to the book of Genesis chapter 11. Genesis chapter 11, uh, verses 28 to 32 is where we're going to read. Genesis chapter 11, verse 28 says, And Haran died before his father, Terah, in his native land in the Ur of the Chaldeans. Go to verse 29. Oh, actually, um, this one here, uh, I, I need this one in the NIV. So I know that you've got the New King James up there. If you can just move it to the NIV. The NIV is, is uh, just a little, little, bit, little bit better here. Can you guys switch it out up there on the desk? You can. There it is. So Abram and Nahor both married. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai. The name of Nahor's wife was Milcah. She was the daughter of Haran, the father of both Milcah and Iscah. Go to the next verse, verse 30. Now Sarai was childless because she was not able to conceive. Next verse. Terah took his son, Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram, and took, and together, excuse me, they set out. Everyone say set out. They set out from the Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. So God has called them to leave the Ur of the Chaldeans, which is kind of the land of Persia, and to go to the land of Canaan where Israel is now. So, so they were on a journey. God was calling them out. Everyone say called out. God was calling them out. But watch what happens to go to the land of Canaan. But, now how many people know whenever you see a but, following a call from God is never a good thing. God called me to go and do the internship, but. God called me, but. God, I was meant to, but. That's never a good place to put your butt. Now you may have a cute butt, but that's not the place to put your butt. That's the wrong place to put your butt right after a call, right? But when they came to Haran, watch this. When they came to Haran, they settled there. When they came to Haran, they settled there. The next verse is tragic. Terah lived 205 years and he died in Haran. Terah lived 205 years and he died in Haran. The first verse we read was that Haran died before his father. 
Haran died before his father. And then the last verse that we read is that Terah lived 205 years and he died where he settled. He died where he settled. God was calling him to leave this land and go, to go to Canaan. But, but when he came to the place where Haran, his son, died, everything reminded him of his sweet little boy. Everything reminded him of the laughter, the first steps that he took, teaching him to throw, teaching him to hunt, all of those things. And he could not, he could not move forward into what God had for him because of a traumatic situation in his past. Now come with me to the book of Luke. I'm gonna just read three scriptures, open it up and then we're gonna, then we're gonna pray for people. Uh, in Luke chapter four, verse 18 and 19, Gospel of Luke chapter four, verse 18 and 19. Most of you know what this is. This is Jesus speaking that they've just handed him the, the scroll in the temple and he reads it. It comes to the place and he reads it prophetically because it's about him. The Bible says he opens up the scroll to the place where it was written and says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. He has sent me to heal the broken. I want you to notice that the church's job isn't just to preach the gospel to the poor. I'm in a lot of pastor schools and pastor conferences and, and the number one thing that we hear about, in fact, if I was honest with you, the only thing we hear about is the church's job is to preach the gospel to the poor. But Jesus says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because God has anointed me not just to do the first thing and then neglect the other four, but he is, the, the, the anointing has a five-fold flow. And the beginning is the good news. The beginning is the gospel to the poor. The word gospel literally is from God spell, which means good news. Good news. When you come into this house, when you come in to awaken, it should awaken you to the fact that there really is a God who really has great and powerful and wonderful promises over your life that you can actually lift yourself up and into, that, that there is a, an anointing, there is a presence, there is a person called the Holy Spirit who is sent from heaven to, to fill you, to be your helper, to help you get out of the doldrums, get out of the places where you're stuck and step into all that He has. So the first thing is that you gotta hear good news because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. But then you will find that you can get stuck emotionally. So, so when you hear about good news. You hear that, that God's got a special person for you, that God is the author of marriage and God is the author of, of you know, families and God is the author of fulfillment and satisfaction and that God wants to prosper you and He wants you to flourish. And he wants you to be the head and not the tail. You can hear all of that and faith and hope can begin to rise, but then all of a sudden in your own heart, you think, man, you know what? for everybody else, but not me. I, I was so burnt and I was once engaged and then I was betrayed and right at the last minute and, and I was fired from my job or I went into business with someone and then you know they took all the money. I don't know if I can trust again. And all of a sudden there's a wound in your heart stopping you from laying hold of all. So we have to understand that the anointing doesn't just preach the gospel to the poor, it actually heals the brokenhearted. So many of us get stuck because of a broken heart from something that happened traumatically in our past. To heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. Because you will find that if your heart is still broken, you are still, you'll, you'll be captive to a past event. You, you, you'll be captive to, I'm never gonna trust authority again. I'm never gonna step out again. I'm never gonna be, make myself vulnerable again. So it's so important that we hear the gospel 
that we then allow the Holy Spirit to heal what is broken so that we can come out of captivity, recovery of sight to the blind. You'll hear all about Vision Sunday. What are you writing on your vision card? Man, I don't even know what, where to start. Usually that's, that's because we haven't done the first three. It's very, very hard to have vision, very hard to see when you're still captive to a traumatic experience in the past because your heart's still broken. So we need to preach the gospel, heal the brokenhearted, bring you out of captivity so that recovery of sight, so all of a sudden you can dream unencumbered. You can dream un, uninhibited. I tell you, you know, every week I, I, I learn something. Never saw this before, Pastor Colin, that the word in Hebrew for dream is exactly the same word as the word for health. The exact same word for dream in Hebrew is exactly the same word as health. So, so when the Bible says uh, that uh, above all things, I pray that you would be in health and prosper, you can literally change out the word health for dream. A healthy person is a dreaming person. A person who stopped dreaming, there's something unhealthy. You should always be dreaming. You should always be dreaming. You should always be dreaming. Let me explain why dreams are important. Dreams are God's Amazon. You know, you know how you, you can go online and you can get a pair of shoes or you know, whatever, you just go to amazon.com and you order it and then you know, it tells you like in a couple of days it's gonna arrive. We've got Amazon Prime, it's you know, Express and you know, postages. So God's Amazon delivery mechanism is through dreams. The Bible teaches us that there are, you know, you and I live in, in dual citizenship. If you're born again, you're a dual citizen. Come on, you were born of the earth, but, but your home is in heaven. Your citizenship's in heaven. So, so what, you, you've got two passports. You've got a passport here on earth, but you've also got a passport in heaven. When you get to heaven, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life if you're born again and you got citizenship in heaven. You belong to two places. What God is trying to do is He's trying to get His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come. How does the kingdom come? Well, He needs people in His kingdom. And the way that God transports things from up there into here is through the medium of dreams. If you imagine two, two circles where, where the arcs kind of intersect, where, where this earthly realm, this terrestrial realm intersects with the celestial, that, that space in between where the two lines, that's the place of dreams. That's the place of dreams. The Holy Spirit will speak to you and He will deliver to you God's purposes and God's promises. I love dreaming. I love dreaming. Pastor John and I, two years ago, were at Dream City Conference in, in uh, Phoenix, Arizona, and we had to go up onto the mountain and we had to fill out something on the vision card. And the Holy Spirit said to me, you know, what are you writing on your vision card? I said, well, you know, there's 3,000 pastors here. I don't want to bother God. And he's like, <laughs> like, you're actually insulting God right now by not asking him. Like, oh, you know, and so we're having this back and forth and then God's like, you've got John with you. You're meant to lead by example. And I'm like, oh, shoot. And so, so, you know, I wrote something down and the Holy Spirit's like, what's that? I said, well, you know, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to put God. It's like, you're not putting God out. You're insulting Him again. Like, ask something difficult. I'm like, okay, well, okay. Just remember, you told me. 
don't come crawling back to me. You know, so, not that he would, but anyway, so I, I wrote down a couple of audacious things. And if I was honest with you, I was laughing my head off because, you know, we're coming into four campuses, so I wrote 16 campuses. <laughs> Thinking in my head, how on earth could... But as, as we got up onto to Prayer Mountain and we began to pray, it was amazing for just like that, I closed my eyes and I could see all 16 campuses filled right around San Diego with services and people being healed and people being delivered and the blind seeing and people coming up out of wheelchairs and the deaf hearing and people flourishing and marriages restored. And, right, and all of a sudden it's like, my God, I could see it. And, and so I went up into the mountain kind of laughing in disbelief of what I put on the paper, but I came back pregnant. I came back, it was in my spirit because that realm is so important. Joel 2.28 says, In the last days I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Now just because He pours out His Spirit on all flesh, because God is no respecter of persons. God is an equal opportunity God. Just because He pours out His Spirit on all flesh doesn't mean everybody receives the Spirit. A lot of people reject the Holy Spirit. They don't want the Holy Spirit because when He comes, He says, hey, you've got to stop doing that. And they're like, uh-uh-uh, no, I want to keep, I'd rather my sin than, than my destiny. And... But He'll pour out His Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. What is prophesying? Shooting words into a day not yet. Shooting God's words into a day not yet. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Old men will dream dreams. How beautiful. Old men will health, health. Old men will dream dreams. Young men will see visions. Prophecy, dreams and visions is what the Holy Ghost does. Honestly, I can't understand, Pastor John, how some churches like, yeah, you know, we're not really Holy Spirit. I'm like, what part of prophecy, visions and dreams? You're robbing your people. Dear God, we want you to come in and get lit up about the awesome future God has for your life. Dear Jesus. Anyway, I digress. So, so we want you to see, we want you to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, jump into the text that we're meant to get in and keep me on track this time. No more interruptions, please. <laughs> Acts chapter three, go to Acts chapter three, verse one. Acts chapter three, verse one. This is where it's all gonna come out and then we're gonna pray. Acts chapter three, here we go. It says, now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a certain lame man, or a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. Now, alms is kind of charity. You know, he's... He's panhandling. He's just got a little cup and he's rattling the cup, hoping to get some money, maybe to buy lunch or whatever. The Bible says that he was, he was born lame from his mother's womb. So, so he was born with a, uh, with a disability. He was born crippled. He was born so that he could not walk. So daily he had to be carried. And of all the places for him to carry him, they laid him at the gate of a temple which was called Beautiful. It was even known as the beautiful gate. But his disability prevented him from entering in. Because in the Old Testament, if you had a disability, only perfection could go into the presence of God. So he was immediately eliminated. And so he, he was laid there daily at the gate because the most compassionate people are church-going people. Did you know that? Just be careful of the people that want to take your money and give it away to other people. 
Always have a look at how much money do you give of your money to other people before you start telling me how you're going to take my money and give it to other people. And you'll find the very people piping off about how much of your money they'd like to take and give to the poor, you'll find that there's a Judas syndrome. They give very little of their money. You're smart enough. You probably already know that. I'm preaching to the choir. I just thought it might be worth repeating just in case. So watch this. So they lay him daily. So he lifts up his cup, hoping to receive something. And this is why we need to be a Shabrada Regida. This is why we need to be a Holy Ghost church. Asking for arms and fixing his eyes on him with John. Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting. Everyone say expecting. Expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have. I didn't bring my wallet, but what I do have. I don't need a wallet for this. What I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength so that he leaping up, everyone say leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them. Now this is where where I want you to underline stood up and walked and entered the temple with him. He can finally enter the temple, but he's doing three things. He's walking, leaping, and praising God. He's walking, he's leaping, and he's praising God. He's walking, leaping, and praising God. He's walking, leaping, and praising God. Okay, just, it's important. Walking, living, praising God. And all the people saw him. Come on, somebody. All the people saw him what? What do they leave out? Isn't that interesting? And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew it was he who sat at the begging arms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. Interesting. They saw him walking and they saw him praising God. But the Bible doesn't say he was only walking and praising God. The Bible says that he was also leaping. Because when Jesus healed him, he healed him physically, walking. He healed him spiritually, praising God. But he also healed him emotionally, leaping, leaping. Because he was born, he was born disabled. Mommy, why? Why? Why would God do this? Why would God? How come all these other kids are playing and here I am crippled and I can't play? Daily they had to lay Him. He didn't just need physical healing and He didn't just need spiritual healing. He also needed emotional healing. But you know, the great tragedy, the great tragedy is that the people in the temple, it almost wasn't in their vernacular. It wasn't even in their their understanding, their comprehension or their vocabulary. They saw Him physically healed and they saw Him spiritually healed. In the church today, we deal really well with physical healing and we do really well with spiritual healing, but we're not so good with emotional healing. Hence my message that, that we can be living in past traumatic stuck disorder and not even begin to realize because life is lived from the inside out. And if you're broken on the inside, on the outside, everything else will be broken as well. We are body, soul and spirit. And like terror, we can become stuck emotionally. There are so many people I can't trust again because I was hurt by authority. When I was growing up, there, there, was, a, there was a kid and I, I came from a German family. He came from a German family. 
and the dysfunction in his family was out of control. I remember we were at a, at a German, like an Oktoberfest and, uh, and he asked his, his papa for something and his papa just snapped and in front of everybody just slapped his boy, he's maybe 12 or 13 right on the cusp of going from child to adolescence, just slapped him in the face in front of everybody, just humiliated this, this young man. We'd go through high school and he, he was always, he was always in fights, he was always struggling just to try and keep up. I saw him a few years ago, maybe a decade ago at a, at a, family, at a high school reunion and he got married and had a child, but now he never wants to go anywhere near a relationship again because Every marriage has conflict. Every marriage has issues that need to be resolved. I tell, tell everybody, when you get married, it's like flying Southwest. You're in the manifest. Southwest know you're coming because you booked your ticket. You've got a confirmation number. It's, you know, six letters with a couple of numbers maybe thrown in there. They know you're coming. But the first question they ask is, how many bags are you bringing? When you get married, Now your wife or your husband, your spouse knows you're coming. They're excited on the wedding day. It's my wedding day. They're all excited. And then all of a sudden they look. And if you were like Pastor Leanne and you saw me, you know, I'm standing there going, and she's like, what the heck is? And you're like, oh, oh, you want to have a go at my baggage? Oh, what about your baggage? And the next week you have baggage wars. A lot of relationships don't know how to resolve the baggage issues. And so this young guy, because he came from such brokenness and such dysfunction, rejection his whole life by his very abusive father, had no idea how to resolve conflict. So he's, he's at the place where, you know what? I, I bought a ranch and I have horses and I train horses and they won't hurt me. He's missing out on love. He's missing out on being a daddy. His you know, ex-wife has moved away with his son, never gets to see his son because he's stuck in a past traumatic. God wants to deliver you and I from that. My own story was, you know, one time witnessing my, my father beating my mother and I was, I think maybe 15 or 16 and I tried to intervene. I tried to protect my mum. And when, my, when I was overpowered by my dad, it wasn't just that I failed, it was that I felt like a failure. Something came over me that, uh, like a shame came over me, a rejection. A, uh, I became, it was like all of my attributes were magnified. My skinny legs, my, my weak frame. I just, I was no good. And I carried this spirit of rejection because I, I couldn't protect my mama. I wasn't strong enough to protect my mama. I was a failure, I couldn't protect. And I carried this thing. I got saved, I was 18, I got saved. But I remember going to church on a Sunday night and this thing would tell me that if nobody talks to you, it's probably because they're smart people and they've already discerned, you're not worthy of people talking to you. I didn't realize it was a demon. It's a spirit of rejection. But I made a covenant, I'd made an alignment with it because I was stuck in a past traumatic stuck disorder. And it wasn't until Jesus came and showed me that He hung on a cross, not because I was rejected, but because 
He brought me in. He accepted me that all of a sudden I was healed. Tina Turner wrote a song, What's love got to do, got to do with it? What's love but a second-hand emotion? Who needs a heart when a heart can be broken? That's the lamentation of a very, very broken person. Can I tell you, you don't need to make that your song. Jesus is a God who heals us of the emotional traumas that get us stuck. So let me just go through some some thoughts. Maybe maybe you've been abused in the past, physically, emotionally, sexually. There's probably no 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 greater no greater trauma that will get you stuck relationally. Can I tell you in this house, Jesus wants to heal you. Jesus wants to heal you. Maybe maybe there was a violation. A girl who was very very close to me, her mum and dad split up. Her mum and dad divorced when she was 14. At 15, she was so broken that her mum decided to, to take the family back to England where they were originally from for a vacation. And she had uh, an older cousin there who decided that he wanted to befriend this young lady in her 15-year-old coming of age. And so he kind of befriended her. And then when the moment was right, took advantage of her vulnerability and sexually violated her. I remember being in a, in, a, in a prayer meeting where she just wept and wept and wept so uncontrollably into my chest that my entire shirt was just stained with the mascara leaking. I've never seen such brokenness, such devastation. I never saw the hand of evil. Here's this little girl going through this tragedy. The world that we live in, outside of the house of God, I gotta tell you, there's all kinds of wickedness and all kinds of evil. But can I tell you, I watch Jesus minister and I watch Jesus heal and I watch Jesus restore. I watch Jesus, He can get you stuck. So if that's your story, I want you to know that we serve a good God. Or maybe, maybe divorce as a kid, like divorce is devastating. Because when we're, when we're children, we believe that mum and dad, are, they can do anything, they can do everything. You ask a little kid who's the strongest person in the world, my dad. The little kids in the playground, are my dad's stronger than your dad. No, he's not. My dad fought a lion, yeah. My dad fought King Kong and won. Ah, oh, that's not true. Yeah. Like kids just believe their dads are awesome. They believe that mum and dad, and then all of a sudden the whole world is shattered. If, if the only adults I know can't hold it together, the uncertainty, the unsettledness, the, 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 the lingering question of can I, if they can't, can I? Betrayal, infidelity, you were married but your spouse cheated. Death of a loved one can be a trauma where we get stuck. I knew somebody that, that had a severe car accident and almost died. Many people were saying, man, it's a miracle that they walked away. And even though glory to God, there was a miracle that they walked away for years. They carried a spirit of fear from the trauma and had to be delivered from it. It limited everything in their life up until that moment because of, even though they survived and everyone said, man, it's a miracle you walked away from that wreck. They, because of the trauma, had lived with the Spirit. God wants to set you free. Sometimes just witnessing something horrific, witnessing something shocking can be traumatic and get us stuck. Humiliation, being publicly berated like I talked about, unfair dismissal at work, neglect. Neglect is a big one. 
You know, we, we live in an age where 50% of kids grow up in a broken home. And sometimes it's the TV or it's the, the device, the iPad that raises our kids. And we think, oh, well, you know, they put themselves to bed and they microwave their own dinner or we got them drive through. And But the level of neglect leaves them with more questions and answers. There's no one leading, there's no one guiding, there's no one loving. I want you to know that Jesus healed, not just physical and not just spiritual, He also heals our emotional. Things like anxiety, depression, fear, bitterness, all of those things usually flow out of the fact that something is broken in our emotional state. Can I tell you tonight, in just the next five or 10 minutes, Holy Spirit's gonna fill this place and you're gonna get set free. Come on, if you believe that, say amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.